Welcome here to Lacrosse Now. I'm Travis Eldridge. He's Tom Eschen. A gigantic weekend in college lacrosse. We've got one versus two for both the men and the women. So we are going to break both of those games down extensively because this is maybe the biggest weekend of the college lacrosse regular season. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's like the mini championship part one. It's if true. you championship weekend part one and a happy St. Patrick's Day. Yes, to one and sorry. all. To those of you who celebrate and observe, as they say, we've got a great show for you. A lot of luck in the air. NCAA basketball is going on. What a great day and a great week for sports. So we're going to break down those games really intensely today. Yep. We're really focusing on those two. There's, it's almost unprecedented this happened. So top twos in those games. We'll explain that more as time goes on. And we'll have quick quick picks after our interviews with both the men and the women too today. Yeah, speaking of those big games, we've got Boston College's Mallory Hasselbeck, the freshman, getting ready for her first First time playing in a game like this. We'll talk with her. We also yeah. have High Points Asher Nolting. They've got a big game as well. They take on North Carolina yeah. this weekend. Yeah, so that should be a good one too. Those are our two guests. Uh, but let's start before we get to those games. Let's start with what happened this week. Our midweek moment. What's your midweek uh, moment? It happened last night. Loyola women beating Syracuse. Florida women. Uh, Florida women. Excuse me. <laughs> Apologize. You got for the that. green on the brain. Yeah, the, a lot of green and, and Florida who had lost to Loyola earlier um, last week. I think it was. And they've had some tough games in this season. They played a really difficult schedule. They lost to Maryland by 10, but close losses. They battled North Carolina, a one-goal loss to Stony Brook as well, and then they beat Syracuse at home. And because you didn't know from maybe some of those results, well, Florida, yeah, they've hung around. Do they have what it takes to go and win those games? And you go and beat a team like Syracuse where they were off and run. If you watch that game, Florida was in control pretty much the whole game. Syracuse made a run here and there. But at the end of the day, Sarah Resnick really showing us all why she was so great last year. Now trying to get that form back this year. She ended up making enough saves to get the job done. I think it was double-digit saves on the day. 10-11 saves for her. But it was Lopinto and Pavanelli, six points apiece, who really were able to get on Syracuse, a team that... As we know, one of the best in the country all year long. So that was my midweek moment, uh, an upset. And we've got Florida here on LSN on Sunday. So it's going to be fun to see them play Drexel. It was indeed 11 saves for Sarah yeah. Resnick in that win over Syracuse. Would they jump up 5-1, 6-1? That was yeah, an impressive yeah. start. Yeah. Um, Syracuse just could never quite get going there on the road. Uh, mine, I'm going to go back to the state of Pennsylvania. Okay. In the men's game, Bucknell. Holding on against Penn State. This game was at Bucknell. A nice win for a Bison team that was right around the top 20 conversation. Then they lost to BU. BU continuing to move up the rankings. This is not a Bucknell team that I think anybody can take lightly. And this is a perfect example. 12-11 victory. Rich O'Halloran came in early in this game. The freshman, what a way to get your first win. It's against a Big Ten program. His first career victory. Uh, first win for Bucknell since 2012 against Penn State. They've only played one other time since then. They've actually won. I was surprised to see this. They've won four of five in the series. So Bucknell's wow. had a, a little bit of a run. Obviously, the middle stretch where they haven't played a lot is where Penn State's program has really been taken to another level. But Bucknell has kind of owned this series as of late. Alston Terry, three goals. He's got 25 points this year for Bucknell. Remember that name because I think this Bucknell team's going to be uh, wreaking some havoc in a Patriot League that is just <laughs> chaos. Wide o it's wide open right now, I mean, now, right? Lehigh Army, BU, <laughs> Bucknell, Loyola. Yeah. It's just it's Navy. So throw them in there. Anybody can beat anybody, it seems like, on any given day. Loyola proved that when they beat Duke. So you're yeah. like, how good are any of these teams? They could be great. They could not be. But at least at the end of the day, it's really entertaining. What a conference. And think about it. Patriot League now has an 
Army win over Syracuse and a Loyola win over Duke. They've got a couple of wins over ACC programs yeah, this year. And that's not a, a big a win over a Big Ten program isn't bad either for Buckingham. Yeah, Pretty so good. there you go. All right, so let's get to our top twos. We'll start with the men's game, uh, Maryland and Virginia. So we'll do our top two players to watch and then our top two stats we're looking for in this game. All right, your number one player to watch. Uh, when I look at this game, I, I we know the stars. You've got yeah. – uh, You've got um, Logan Wisnowskis. Yeah, Logan Wisnowskis and Connor Schellenberger. Thank you. I don't know why I just blanked it out. Jonathan but, Donville. But those are the stars. So I went like, all right, who needs to step up around those people? And for me, for Virginia, defensively, it's up to Cole Kastner. He took such a giant step forward last year. You, you hear Lars Tiffany talk about him and how he was such a raw talent at times last season. And he make a bunch of mistakes, but he also makes plays that guys can't make. And he's only become more and more sound in terms of, like, yeah. defensive tactics. He's gotten so much better. And the size, you just can't you, you can't shake. So he's going to go up against Logan Wisnowski, I, I would imagine. And you got, so you got 6'7", 200 Cole Kastner against 6'3", 215 Logan Wisnowski. Mm. I mean, that's like a basketball matchup. They, they should be playing on a court somewhere Down here low. in March. Yeah. I mean, that is going to be a fascinating matchup. The thing for Maryland that I will be interested to see, obviously they're used to it. They've played Virginia, obviously, in the national championship. They've played them over the last several years. But the length of this defense cannot be replicated in practice. The length of this Virginia defense is unlike anything you've seen. I watched, I mean, you, I, I watched the Towson game, then I did the Towson-Virginia game. And Towson has some big, long defenders. They yeah. are big across the back. And they're trying to throw skip passes that against any other defense works, not against Virginia. And I think that will be something to watch. The turnover battle, which I'll get to later, will be fascinating. Can Virginia create some? Because if Maryland turns the ball over a few more times than they're used to, it keys everything for Virginia because it lets them get out and run, lets them make the game a little bit more chaotic, and Virginia thrives in those situations. So I think it all goes down to Cole Castor against Logan Wisnowskis. Can Castor make Wisnowskis uncomfortable enough that the Maryland offense just gets a little bit more uncomfortable, does some things they're not usually doing, gives up a, f a few more turnovers, and it creates Virginia going the other way, doing what they do best. Yeah, and that will play into one of my players and things to watch in this game, too. But while we have it up there, you're also looking at the goalie for Maryland as your other player. Yeah, so my other player to watch is Lo Logan McNaney because – he is a, it was an honorable mention All-American candidate last year. A guy who, because of what they did last year, he's right there in the All-American conversation again. But the thing he hasn't seen a lot of this year is shots. Mm -hmm. So you look at the shots numbers that he's dealt with. The most he's faced in any game this year is 39 shots against Syracuse. Virginia, on average this season through six games, Averages nearly 50 shots per game. They're at 49.8. They had the most, I think it was 55 against Towson. Jeez. So chances are Logan McNaney is going to see more shots in this game than he's seen all year. Maybe double what he's seen in some other games. And he hasn't been great. He's only got double-digit save numbers in two games this year. It was against Syracuse and Notre Dame. And remember last year in the national championship game, only made 11 saves, gave up 17 goals. So Virginia had his number in that game. Yeah, that, that matters. Yeah, so I, he's going to see more shots than he's used to. It's going to be a different game than he's faced all year. Because even like the, the games that he's shown up in terms of double-digit saves, Syracuse is playing slow this year, and Notre Dame plays slow. 
Virginia is a completely different beast than I think anybody that they faced this year in terms of offense versus that defense. Okay. All right. I like those, both of those, actually. Um, my two guys to watch for Virginia and Xander Dixon, Maryland, Keegan Kahn. I'll start okay. with Xander Dixon. And this is offensively, he can get the job done. He has the knack for some highlight real plays that can really get the sideline going. 13 goals, five assists. But you look at down the farther the stat line he does have five cost turnovers this year that means he's doing his job on the ride and we know the emphasis on the ride Travis and I both talked to Lars Tiffany about that going into this season that they wanted to do that and they wanted to do it better than they have in the past so you look at what Maryland's done in some of the games now they haven't lost but they have a couple of games in which they've struggled more than others 19 for 22 against Notre Dame not perfect clearing is what I'm talking about here against Syracuse 20 of 25 Travis touched on some of those turnovers they they had 18 of them against Notre Dame. Don't want to steal Travis's thunder. But no, I'm just good. saying, when it comes down to that ride that Virginia employs and the clearing, which has had its bumps in the road at times if you're Maryland, I think that a guy like Xander Dixon and the aggressiveness and the emphasis they put on that could really be big in that spot. Not in the offensive end, but on the other end, maybe when they give it up, or on their offensive end, when they may give it up or a missed shot or what have you. So Xander Dixon, a guy I'm watching. The other guy for Maryland, Keegan Kahn. Five goals, nine assists this year. Four goals of those, two of those assists were in the debut game here yeah. as he moved to Maryland. He's been he, quiet. He hasn't scored a goal since February 12th against Loyola. So if you're going to win a game like this, we know what Wisnasis is going to do. We know what Jonathan Donville is going to do, even long out there too. But if you're Maryland, you need help from other sources. And he going into the season was a source they brought in for games like this. We talk about these transfers all the time in terms of what they're bringing to these teams, why they've been brought in. Keegan Gunn's here to win games, help them win games like this and be another facet to their depth that Virginia has to find, figure out how to match up with. Because a lot of the time, yeah, maybe Wisnowskis will get his or whatever happens on that day, but it's that third and fourth option that wins these games because of those matchups that Travis just alluded yeah. to. They're so, they're so tightly stacked and so evenly matched that you need some of those other outlets. And I think Keegan Kahn could be a big key to that for Maryland. Well, I, I think you look at the different options that Maryland has offensively, and the question then for Virginia becomes, where do you put exactly. the polls? Like, yeah. it, to, does Keegan Khan end up with a short stick? Because he hasn't beaten anybody here in a while. Yeah. Do they dare Maryland to go to him, see if he gets going, or does he still get a pull to, because of what he's done in the past? It'll be fascinating to watch for, uh, for yeah. matchup-wise. All right, um, stats. Yeah, and so it, off of that in terms of turnovers, you're talking about it with, with Xander Dixon. So I, I was looking through the national numbers. I was actually very interested to see, despite the fact that we know how Virginia plays, and they like to make things a little chaotic. They're top 11 in the country in turnovers per game. Both them and Maryland are right there around 13, 14 turnovers per game. Some of the best in the country at taking care of the ball. Yes. And so I'll be interested to see now when they match up together, where do those numbers go? Because I think Virginia needs to turn Maryland over a lot more than Maryland has to turn Virginia over. I think that is just the way in which they thrive. I'm not saying Virginia can't win this game in a settled six-on-six -six set, but I would Virginia's going to feel a lot more comfortable if they are getting transition goals. Look at that North Carolina game. That North Carolina game turned when North Carolina decided we're going to play up and down with Virginia. Now, that's how Carolina plays, but that works right into how Virginia wants to play. Mm -hmm. That game was chaotic in the second half, and that's when Virginia went on the run where they took control of the game and it was over. So I will be interested to see, can Virginia turn Maryland over 
and may allow them to play the comfort level in which they're used to. That was that national championship game. Virginia was comfortable because that game was fast. 17-16 is not a game Maryland wants to play in this one. No, no, I don't think so either because they, they like that, that situation in which they can control things and they can be methodical almost in the yeah. way their offense runs with each other. And that plays into my stats here with clearing percentage. And I, like, I, like I said, it alluded to the player I'm watching in terms of uh, Xander Dixon. The clearing percentage, you go into the stats here, 87.2% for Maryland. That's 18th in the country. Virginia, 85.8%, 33rd. So Maryland's done a better job than Virginia. But if Virginia can get a couple that maybe they shouldn't, that other teams haven't, that's where you can get that advantage my other one there when it plays in the turnover game is face-offs and I know it seems, yeah. it seems like an obvious one but you've got a good matchup here Weirman great match 67 percent against LaSalle 63.5 percent this year so if there is an edge there does that turnover battle mean even more in terms of how often a team's getting it but how often can you take it away there are teams that have great face-off guys that turned over 18, 19 times a game. We've seen that before. You just have the ball so often that it's going to get taken away. But if they can take care of the ball and maybe one team an aberration in that and not take care of the ball, that's where you have that advantage. So if there's a bit of an, a face-off edge there, you can see one team maybe start to pull away a little bit if you can get one or two in a row. That, to me, when you have those trends face-off-wise, when it's that evenly matched, it's, I think, a matter of whether or not you can see a LaSalle win three or four in a row, and all of a sudden there's a run for Virginia, you know, because yeah. I feel like they're going to be almost 50-50, but when do those come that right. is, is the most important thing here. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, finally, when it comes to getting possession saves, like how many can each of these guys steal? I already mentioned McNaney. For Matthew Nunes, I was interested to see, like, first couple of big games, what's it going to be like? Especially that North Carolina game, I think, was told us a lot about Matthew Nunes as a player because in these ACC games, you're going to give up goals. Like, it's almost a given when you play in the ACC or, or a game like this, you're probably going to give up double digits. Like, expecting your defense to hold an offense like a Maryland, a Carolina, a Duke to single-digit goals is almost impossible. So you're going to give up a bunch, probably more than you're used to as, as a starting goalie, especially when you walk into his freshman. But he gives up 11, uh, 11 goals. He made, he made some of the saves he needed to. Wasn't pressured a ton against Carolina. So I'll be interested to see... Can he carry it over? Another big game. Biggest game of his career yeah. walking into this one. On a neutral, by the way, neutral field, Audi, uh, Audi field in D.C., huge environment. How does the freshman show up? The one thing I will say is, in talking to Lars Tiffany about him, and one of the selling points for him was, like, he just is so cool and calm and collected both on the field in the crease and when he walks out of it that it just seems like, at least in what Lars has told us, that nothing phases him. So if he's like that in, in this big spot, I think he performs well and, and steals a couple that maybe he shouldn't. He might not have as many saves as his counterpart, but I think for him the big thing in this one is to be the type of saves he yeah. makes. You always hear coaches say, make a couple saves, two or three, that you're not supposed to make. In and big moments. That, in big moments, and I think that's where that will really come to fruition in this game for him. We're not picking this game at the end. Do you have a feel for it? Like, who do you like? Are we picking this game? I don't know. I, I, We're not doing it at the end of the so show. All right, let's do it right now. What do you got? What do you got? I have – man, this is tough. It's um, really hard. I, I have no, – and we go – honestly, we've gone through all of this, and I keep thinking about both of these teams. And I, I've done this every week when I've voted in my poll. The only reason, really, I've gone with Virginia as my number one is because they were my number one at the beginning of the year, and I haven't really felt the need to drop them off of that. But I have no problem with everybody who's voted Maryland the number one team I, in the country. I think, like, I, I'm going purely off of 
feel here in this moment. And I feel like that you have a Maryland team that's a little bit more battle-tested. They've played some tougher competition so far. That helps. I know the Carolina win yeah. is a nice one for Virginia. But you also have the memory of the title game from last year. And I feel like that's going to be on the minds of a lot of these guys from Maryland. Because you have that scenario in which if you had two more minutes, maybe Maryland's sitting here as a defending national championship. And I think national champions. And I think that's going to be riding high in their minds. And will have just that's what you need in this kind of a game. A little bit extra of a motivation. Virginia's motivated. I'm not saying they're yeah. not as motivated. But that just gives a little bit more of a nugget in the, the, the back of their spine there. I'm, Maryland to win this one. We didn't talk about him. I think Matt Moore is also a gigantic key. Yeah. Because of Schellenberger is obviously has been the guy. Matt Moore in years past had been the guy. You got two number ones for Virginia. And if Schellenberger gets the number one assignment and has a tough day, you have another option. And I don't know if Maryland has that. And so in terms of dynamic pieces, I think Virginia very much plays up to the situation. I think we've seen it all year. Like, when they've played their best competition, it's when we've seen them at their best. I think they play up for it. I, I think it's a one-goal game, but I'm going to go Cavs. Okay. I, I would say – I'm not saying Jonathan Donville is Matt Moore, but he's close to that strategy. He's a different he's, player, he's though. A, and I know they're different. Because they're different, different Schellenberger and Moore can both be, like, quarterback-type no, attackmen. They, they, they create more yes, than Donville is create, a, but yeah. – and in terms of making an impact at the end of the day, Agreed. I think yeah, he's also he's very, very go good. Off and, yeah. and get pretty dangerous there. All right, pivot. Women's time now. One, one versus two. two. <laughs> Let's go run it back, as they say. You got number one Boston College, number two North Carolina playing over in Chestnut Hill. Uh, we'll start here. We're also going to do players to watch and two intangibles yeah. for this one for our top two. This is the theme today. So players to watch. I'll go first. You yeah, go first you, the, you got it. I, I'm going to start here. My players to watch are both on the back end of things. I, you know, I love defense. You're all about defense. Um, Emily Knowles for North Carolina, and you have Rachel Hall for Boston College. I'll start with Emily Knowles. Second on the team in draw controls. She okay. leads the team in cause turnovers. Third in ground balls. She is the type of player that, yes, we know Emma Trenchard is probably going to be tasked with sharp. North. I think that's pretty obvious, but it's what is going to happen outside of that that might make the difference here today. I don't know if Trenchard's going to be able to stop Charlotte North, maybe to slow down, but it's some of those other options. Unless Charlotte North has like 10 goals, that's a different story. Emily Knowles is the kind of player that is a game changer, and we talk about some of those in terms of national championship teams and aspirations. Knowles does a little bit of everything for this team, and she does all of those things that you don't necessarily realize until the game's over. Oh, there's another ground ball. There's a, a stick on stick check or, or what have you where there's someone is at the eight meter arc and she's able to get in there to stop it and those little plays are so important and she's the one who makes those for the most part for North Carolina so I think Emily Knowles is gonna be huge on that back end of the defense and then you have Rachel Hall and very, you know, it's, she's fascinating to me because she came on the scene during the championship weekend last year during that run Boston College. She was outstanding. And, of course, you have the 11 saves against North Carolina in the NCAA tournament to back that up. In the regular season, and we saw this last year, Rachel Hall and Boston College, not the dominant team that we saw towards the end of last season. And they haven't been this that way in terms of the defense and the goalie play either this year. 37.4% saves last year. It was 38 during the regular season. Yeah. So Rachel Hall is going to once again have to play the way she did in that championship, in that semifinal against North Carolina this time around, or they're going to lose like they did last year in the regular season. I, she has to once again step up and play not above her means because we know she can do it. But she has to, once again, rise to the occasion. Step up. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, no, that, I mean, makes total sense. Um, 
I'm going to go on the flip side because I'm going to talk offense. You talk defense. I'm going to talk offense. We've got uh, for North Carolina, Ali Mascherani. And then I'm going to go with the obvious one for Boston College and Charlotte North. We'll get to Charlotte in a second. But the real, when I was looking at North Carolina, what Allie has done here over her last uh, four games, she's got 13 goals in her last four after scoring just five goals in the first four games of the season. She's also been terrific at the draw circle. She's got eight-plus draw controls in each of these last four games as well. Hat trick at least in every one of these. I think she will be a difference maker in terms of, look, you know what you're going to get from Jamie Ortega. They've got so much depth. You could probably mention one of, like, six players in terms of players who could step up offensively along with Jamie Ortega to make a difference in this game. But I'll be interested to see not only for her offensively, but also in the draw circle, can both of those numbers continue uh, to push forward? And, and she's doing it against Charlotte North, keep in mind, right. in the draw control circle. Right. So you have these two players, and I think Mastriani is maybe not as important, but Ortega, of course, is, is so good. But Mastriani, quiet, I don't know if it's as quiet as it used to be, but she is very important to what North Carolina does yeah, in a lot sure. of different ways. And maybe sometimes going unheralded in that fact. So she, at this point in the season, and this regular season game, I think is, is going to be the what kind of championship player that we've seen from her. I mean, think about it. She's one of their top scorers. And, like, how many other North Carolina players, Gardner, or like the tour time conversation. And yeah. she, she's kind of one of the outside fringe players in that conversation she's right there uh, up there with Ortega who also by the way has been spectacular so far this year but let's get to Charlotte North okay what you got she's got 41 goals this season 48 points she's second in the NCAA in goals per game and after everything she did last year I think it would be easy to go it, it would be so easy for her to take a step back because those expectations and how great she was, especially toward the end of last season, are like almost untouchable. I mean, breaking records, scoring 100-plus goals, like that stuff is so like unbelievable to do one year. To then come back with all the expectations, the defending national champs taking number, everybody's best shot, and to do what they've done, whether it was blowing out Northwest or taking care of business and all these games they have so far, has just is incredibly impressive but this leads in me into one of my intangibles the free position everybody sees the highlights nobody makes highlights out of free position goals except for <laughs> charlotte north she's it like nobody's nobody says nobody yeah. said before charlotte north came onto the scene oh you know what i need in my highlight i need a free position goal with her lining up at the eight meter nobody said that but all of a sudden she's turned it into this show she winds up and it's like must-watch TV. She's 14 of 19 on free positions this year. That's better than 73%. That's ridiculous. 15th in the country, and that's that. And there's a lot of people that take those. It's unbelievable. And so that, to me, will be a, a huge key. If she gets some of those, and it's almost like when she sends one of those in, like when she's winding up, it's almost a momentum boost. I, I, I almost equate it to like a face-off goal in the men's game where it's this like momentum shifting goal because of the oomph and the, the style in which she does it. Every game she's played in, in these big moments, it's so often, like in the men's game, we see a number one guy gets shut down. And it's like because they let the two, three, and four guys take the matchups or whatever. Charlotte North in these big games goes off. 
Yeah. And so I, I just, I was looking at a player to watch and I was like, I could pick some of these other uh, key players for Boston College and like North Carolina, they got lots of options offensively. But you look at Charlotte North, like she has the ability, even against this North Carolina defense, to go off for five, six, or seven goals. It's not just about ability, it's mentality, too. That, too. It's a, it's she a, wants it. It's a different mentality. And not that anyone else's mentality isn't just as competitive, but there's just something different that she can tap into that separates her from the rest. So, and, and that's why, even if you might look at North Carolina and say, top to bottom, they're more talented and they might have more depth because of the transfers and yeah. what they've brought in and the goalie play for Marino, you look at Charlotte North and you go, okay, uh, it's even. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> right. what's going to happen. Um, so I'll go to my intangibles now. Yeah, go for your, it. Yours was, one of them was the... The free position. So it was mine. So that, oh, okay. Mine, mine as well. I also have that because, like you said... And maybe think of this when you're talking about the, the momentum and almost like a dunk in basketball or whatever. But you get a stop on one of those. On one of the, one of the Charlotte North free positions, Moreno gets going there and is seeing the ball pretty well and stops one of those BBs that are coming at her. That can change the game, too. BC's fifth in the nation in free position yeah. goal percentage. They are, they are excellent when it comes down to that. And North Carolina, 17.75 fouls per game. That is... Uh, 61st in the nation. So it's not like they're elite in that. They haven't, you know, they, they're they careful on defense, but not too careful. So there, there's going to be opportunities is what I'm trying to get at here. Yeah. And if the Tar Heels can make a couple stops there where they're going to be tested, then things will go more their way, I believe. So that's one of my intangibles. The other is a little bit more um, emotional. Oh, emotional. Yes. Okay. Uh, memories. Because you have a couple of different memories tied to this game. You had the regular season from last year, that game. Do you remember yep. that game? I do. That was 21-9, North Carolina Dominant. trouncing Boston College. In the regular season, North Carolina on their way to almost an undefeated season as a whole. And then you have the national, in the national semifinal, in which competitive, but BC pulling away 16-10 in that semifinal game. How will those memories impact things? And... How will maybe the regular season game also be on the minds of, of Boston College and say, well, similar kind of time of year? And a lot of that can come back to you. So at the same time, you have the end of the season in which, yeah, those are pretty sour memories in the national semifinal in which the Boston College completely flipped the script. I mean, you go from 20 to 9 over to 16 to 10 in the national semifinal. So those are things that such two big swings over the course of two games really have me intrigued in terms of what the memory is going to be and, and how that impacts, you know, internally, the back of the mind to some of these players. Yeah, it's a new season. These are new teams. But how thick are those memories from the last two meetings they've had, which you, have been equally it, epic? It, it was an 11-10 game in the National 11-10. They oh, won 16-10 in the championship against Syracuse. That, okay. There you I go. I apologize. But, Thanks for looking that but, up. I apologize. Yeah, no, but no, a no, close no. game, whatever, yes. is what it is. Yeah, yeah. They, they flipped the script. It, that, that game in the National Semifinal, too, was a game in which Boston College jumped up and then yeah. held on at the end. It yes. was it was 11 yeah. to 6 yeah. in the early in the second half. I think that's what I was they didn't of. score yeah. down the stretch and then it ended up being 11 to 10 for them to hold on. So it leads me into what my other intangible is is that Boston College needs a run. And most likely I think it's got to be relatively early because all season long we asked Tracy Weiner this a couple weeks ago when we were talking about UNC versus Boston College and it's how do you keep up with North Carolina offensively? Because the defense for Carolina is probably the best in the country in terms of having elite defenders. So 
Goalie? Yeah, so going goal for goal against North Carolina is really hard. Now, if you can string a couple of goals together, and like Boston College did in the national semifinals against this team, go up by a couple, Mm. you give yourself some breathing room so that, you know, when North Carolina goes on the run, it's not we're down by three goals, and now we have to figure out how to score over and over and over against, against North Carolina defense. It's, okay, we've got some breathing room. We don't have to grip the stick a little too tight and press against a defense that's really, really good. And so for me, I think Boston College, whether it's winning a bunch of draw controls or getting a couple of stops of their own, a couple of Rachel Hall saves, if they can get up early, whether it's right off the bat, somewhere midway, end of the first half, if they can build up some kind of three, four goal lead, I think that bodes well for them in terms of holding on. Because I think that's the recipe. You can't get down big against Carolina anywhere close to the second half and expect to come back. I just think their defense is too good. Yeah, absolutely. All right, who you got? Let's pick it. Man. Off the cuff pick. We weren't planning to this pick. Game's, this game's at Boston College. I'm going to lean. I'm going to lean BC. I'm going to lean BC. I think it's a one-goal game. I think it's high scoring, maybe like 15-14 situation. Okay. So I'm going to go BC 15-14. All right. I am going to go the way of North Carolina because you look at the entirety of last season and North Carolina – was the best team in the country until the very end. Yeah, of course, the championship is what it is, but North Carolina is once again the best team in the country this year. I know BC's getting all the votes, but at the end of the day, it is North Carolina with the most depth and the most talent. And Charlotte North is the X factor. That's not going to be enough this time. You kind of throw some of that stuff out the window once you get to championship weekend in the NCAA tournament. I understand that, but we're not in that. Right now, we're in the regular season. North Carolina, to me, is the best team. I've seen them play. And they are better than BC right now, right here, right now, in my estimation. 14-12 is what my score is. You've been all on the BC bandwagon for throughout the year, I feel like. Now you're just jumping on Carolina? I, I feel like I've been on the Carolina okay. bandwagon. Okay, all right, man. Most maybe I misread it. I, I was hey. the one who came out and was disappointed that North Carolina didn't get more first-place right. votes at the no, beginning of the year. You're right. That's fair. I, I will say, uh, you have on the free positions. One thing I think is interesting, North Carolina is only 45% yeah. on the season in free positions. That's kind of like... Top 50, but not toward the top of the country. Something else that they do as well, and and they do it pretty well, almost like you watch in basketball and you have like an inbound play, they run a lot of plays off those two. That's true. So they don't get, you know, they might have an opportunity, don't take as many shots, you know, depending on the spot. So they will also, they run a lot of plays off of free positions at the same time that they sort of work through to try to get maybe even a better shot than just rushing towards the goal. Anyway, uh, speaking of this game, uh, it's the first time that Mallory Hasselbeck, number one incoming recruit, now a freshman at Boston College, has had a chance to play in this game, which means we had a chance to catch up with her to talk about what she thinks that's going to be like. Listen to that interview here. Ahead of the big game coming up on Sunday, we have Boston College's Mallory Hasselbeck joining us now. Uh, Mallory, the last time we spoke was, I think, a year or so ago and you had the knee injury, you hadn't played lacrosse in a while, so I have to imagine things are a lot better than the last time we did this. Yeah, definitely a lot better. Get to be out on the field with my teammates, so much more fun than in the cast. Yeah, I can imagine you learned a lot the last couple of years of not being on the field. What do you think you took away from that that you've been able to apply not only to fall ball but also this spring um, here in some of the action you've been able to play in? Yeah, I mean, I feel like anyone that goes through an injury like an ACL or really any type of injury that puts you out long-term just values the game so much more. And I know people say it so much, but um, just like cherishing the time that I'm out on the field 
in every moment, like living in the moment, trying to take advantage of every opportunity that I get, just because you never know what's going to happen with the world we live in today or just sports in general. So just really fortunate to be out there with my teammates and just be able to play the game that I love now. That first game you had a chance to play in this spring was the, the first real game you had played in in two years. What, what did it feel like? It was amazing. It was one of the greatest things of all time. I will never forget it. I think I looked over at my sister during warmups and I was like, this is so cool. You know, like just being able to come back from an injury and play in a game is so special. And then to be able to do it versus a team like Northwestern on a team like BC, um, surrounded by best coaching staff in the country and teammates, you know, it just felt such an unbelievable way to come back. So fortunate. Sounds like you're enjoying life there these days, yeah. <laughs> Mallory. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned your sister, Annabelle. Uh, what's it been like to suit up alongside her th this year and be able to play together again? Yeah, it's so much fun. I mean, she's my best friend. And just to be able to practice with her every day, you know, we try to do a little two-man game. And everyone kind of is like, oh, here come the sisters again. But it's just so fun, like, being with her. And she's such a good teammate and such a good competitor. So she pushes me and everyone else every day. So super special. So are you guys like inseparable off the field, like around campus too, or do you do your own thing? We, we're both, you know, like we, we're always together when we can be, but we also can do our own thing. But if I see her in the dining hall, I'll go say hi and sit down with her. So what, what do you think you've learned from coming into this program and playing on this team that obviously came in with such high expectations after winning the championship? What's it been like to get immersed into that now in the middle of a season? Yeah, I mean, it's so special to come in at the time that I did. You know, BC had just broken the seal. They just won their first national championship, and they finally just got a taste of what that's like. So I think it just, like, on the girls that were on the team last year, like, they know what it takes. So they're kind of telling us about their experiences. You know, I kind of lived it through my sister, but, like, just hearing it from the coaching staff, like, they know what it takes to win. So that's our game plan this season, just kind of following that pattern and, you know, like, just really, like, so special to come in at this special time of BC lacrosse. You know, the years before were great, and, like, leading up to this, that set them up for success. But I feel, like, so fortunate to be in, um, come in at the time that I did. So really learning a lot and just so excited to be a part of it. I have to think it also makes you probably a little bit hungrier to have, like, what some of your teammates have, which is a ring, because you obviously got a chance to celebrate. You know you're going to be part of the team, but you weren't part of the team yet. And so your sister has a ring. You don't have one. How much hungrier does it make you to want to get another one? Yeah, I mean, I was at that national championship game, and I was in tears on in the stands, like, watching. So I don't know what it feels like to actually win it, but I was so unbelievably happy for my sister and her teammates for them to win it. So, yeah, I'm so hungry. I think the whole team is hungry to get another one, and to, I want to have one, you know? So just so, so excited, and I think it's, like, flowing through our team right now is like, yeah, like everyone's so hungry. Everyone wants it. Like everyone knows what it feels like or has seen what it feels like. So yeah, very excited. I mean, you, like you said, you were a bystander, a fan the last few years and you got to see Charlotte North from that angle. How about playing next to her alongside her on the field? What have you learned from her? I'm sure it's hard to duplicate some of the things she does, but I, what, what have you absorbed over the last uh, few months here? Yeah. Charlotte is such an unbelievable teammate and leader on the field, you know, she just was named like greatest player in college across and, you know, coming in, I was like, Oh, like she doesn't need to learn anything. Like she shows up every day, ready to compete, ready to push her teammates, you know, and her energy is contagious. So that's something that I've really tried to grasp onto is just like, you can always get better. Like you could be the best player in the world and still keep getting better, still improving. 
still pushing your teammates. So that's such a special opportunity that I have to play with Charlotte and like kind of watch her at practice and learn from her, learn from her as a player, a person and a leader. So yeah, such a unbelievable experience that I didn't think I was going to get to have, but with the transfer portal and COVID and everything, like honestly, very thankful for it. So you have your first opportunity to play in one of these gigantic games here this weekend, BC, North Carolina, one versus two. I'm sure you've watched plenty of these games growing up. What, what do you think it's going to be like when you get a chance to suit up on Sunday? Yeah. I mean, like you said, I've watched like UNC battle with BC for years now, and it's always been one of my favorite games, you know, two great programs in the country and college across. So I'm just so excited. Like I look at my teammates and the other freshmen every day. I'm like, do you realize we're playing North Carolina on Sunday? Like, how cool is that? You know, like such a great program and coached by such a great coach, you know? So, I mean, I'm so excited. I'm so thrilled. Like any ACC competition, any competition that we play, but really this week especially is so big for us. And I think it's going to be a really good challenge and test for our team. And this is why you went to BC, I'd imagine, right? For games like this, moments like this, even in the middle of March? Yeah, I mean, that's why, that's what I signed up for, to play great ACC teams, play a team like North Carolina, compete and, you know, like give them our best shot, you know? So, I mean, I'm so excited. Like I've dreamed of playing one of these games my whole life. And um, I'm just so excited to get out there Sunday. It can't come soon enough. I keep looking at my phone. I'm like, it's only Wednesday. I'm like, no, come on, like, let's go. Like, let's go. Luckily it's Thursday today. So yeah. we're oh, getting closer, yeah. right? Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know. <laughs> They all blend together at this point of the year. I looked yesterday. I looked yesterday. Yeah, okay. I, yeah I know. No, I know. I'm just telling we're yeah, we're 24 hours sooner than when you looked yeah, yesterday. Yeah, there we go. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, Mallory, we can't wait to see this game just like you can't wait to play, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch on Sunday. Good luck, uh, continued health, and we'll catch up sometime down the road. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Mallory. So, High Points, Asher Nolting does join us now. Asher, appreciate the time. Um, and obviously, this is a big time of year for you guys. You got North Carolina coming up this weekend after, as you always play, a, a tough non-conference schedule. You know, how would you describe the feelings going into another big game? Yeah, no, uh, I think, obviously, like you said, we play pretty tough at a, at a conference schedule. Uh, so, I mean, me, me being the fifth-year guy, I've played a lot of these out-of-conference ACC games. So, for me, it's it's another exciting opportunity to compete against some of the best, uh, one of the best teams in the country. Uh, obviously, that UNC team's uh, very talented, and uh, you know it should be. It's a super exciting uh, weekend, so I'm super uh, super excited to play them here, which is going to be awesome. Uh, playing them in front of our home crowd, so that'll be a very exciting time for us. You mentioned being a fifth-year guy, and obviously there was a decision for you to make in the offseason first on whether you wanted to play another year of college lacrosse and then whether you want to have that fifth year be back at high point. Was there ever a question about coming back and being a, a Panther again when you were looking at your options this offseason? Yeah, no, that never – I this is this is my home. I've never really had any other any other uh, ideas of going anywhere else. Uh you know, Coach Torpy and the staff here, their their family. This place is the one of the most special places, or one of the one of the special places in the country. Uh, and you know, this is this is this is my home. This is my second home. And uh, I, you know, when it came down to it, people always ask like, "Oh, you're gonna think about, or so you're gonna leave for your fifth there? And I was like, "No, I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be a High Point Panther again." So, uh, no, it's super exciting to be back here. Uh, you know, like we kind of said, it's it's weird being the old old guy now. Uh, I've always thought it was my like looking back on it, I was like, oh, I got so much time left. And now I'm here in my fifth year. I'm like, well, I technically shouldn't be here. So it's uh it's funny to it's funny to be here now. But yeah, no, uh it's it's great to be back. And uh yeah, definitely always always gonna be a Panther.
What, what's it been like? You mentioned being the old guy now, so to speak. What's it been like from being, you know, the guy with the potential, you know, the, the new kid on the block in the college across the world to being one of the standbys and the veteran even on your own program? That, that sort of transformation from the, all the potential and all of a sudden here you are in year five uh, realizing some of that as well. Yeah, no, I, I just realized you get a lot grumpier um, with the younger guys. Uh, it's patience, uh, right. Not know, as much patience anymore. You, you know, you get a little impatient with them, but, uh, no, this, this group of freshmen that we have in, uh, they're a great group and I'm super excited to see them grow after this when I'm gone. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see these younger guys lead when I'm gone as well. And, uh, you know, I, I, I look back again and say, when I was younger, I was like, man, why are our seniors always so grumpy and like angry all the time? And I definitely get that now. So uh, I got to apologize to them, but no, it's, uh, it's been great, and um, I'm really enjoying my time with these guys as much as possible. So, but I'm super excited to where this program's uh, moving forward. What's the most What's the most important thing you can pass along to them as they begin this journey? You know, we uh, before every game we talk, we do some senior speeches. So, a senior talks to the team about you know their journey at High Point and stuff like that. And uh, I think every senior so far said just you don't realize how fast it truly goes. And I think I could, I think everyone can, can relate to that. And especially with the COVID year with this whole, everything that went on then and how it cut everything short, I think it, it sped that up quite a bit. And I think, you know, looking back on it, it, it did go by super fast it, it, in a blink of an eye. I'm here for my fifth year and it feels like, you know, maybe five months ago, my parents dropped me off at a Millis dorm for uh, for my freshman year. So it's, it goes super fast. And I, and, uh, that's what I tell them. I just enjoy every day as much as it, you know, it can get draining sometimes going out to practice every day, whatever it is, it, it gets tough. But when you're in those moments, you got to realize, you know, this, this is, this is a special time and you got to enjoy it as long as you can. Along those lines, whether it's been the highlight real goals, some of the big wins you've been a part of for this program, you've certainly left a mark even before you, you leave high point uh, so far throughout your career. What's the legacy that you hope you leave with this program? Yeah, no, that's a, it's a great question. Um, I think for me, just I obviously with the records and all that stuff and beating those big teams, obviously those are those are great accomplishments. Uh, for me, just I just want to be leave my legacy on this program is, you know, just being a good leader, um, being something that the, the younger guys can look up to, uh, leaving a standard that guys before me, like I said, my seniors and their seniors before them, uh, had 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 for this program and I think that's the biggest thing I think that's that's our motto for this year is keep the standard and then that's exactly what it is I mean us being a younger program not we're not the young guys anymore really being this being our 11th year but um we uh we're still you know we're still growing and I still there there's a lot of a lot of stuff that we're we're still moving towards and I think it's a super exciting time for this program and uh you know just keeping that standard that those guys that came here in 2000 10, 11 set and uh, just holding that, holding that, holding the, the rest of the team to the highest standard. You know, the, the college is known and these, these time, this time in your life is known as such a transformational time in a young person's life. Um, you talk about some of the things on the field, off the field. What's one of the more memorable moments you've had over the course of your four or five years um, over the, you know, this college career you've had? Yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot, uh, probably not something I should say on air, but then there's, you know, there's the stuff that, you know, um, you know, just being with you with your teammates, the locker room. I think that's the thing that I've realized that I'm going to miss the most. Uh, being in the locker room every day with the guys. I don't think you can replace any of that time with each other. Uh, obviously, off the field, you know, my roommates, housemates that I've had throughout my five years here. Um, 
you know, those, those, just being with the with the, with your teammates in those scenarios is just a really, really special thing. And, uh, you know, I've, I'm, I'm trying not to take it for granted and, re- and realizing how how actually special it is. So definitely going to miss those times with the guys in the in the locker room and then, uh, you know, in our houses. Yeah, there's uh, there's nothing quite quite like those times. So embrace them while you still can on the field. What's been your favorite goal you've scored so far? Give me one. This year? No, just whole ever. career and oh, ever. Like you can even go outside a high point if you want. Like, what's your favorite? Probably got to be the first. I, I mean, if we're not gonna, I don't want to be cheesy, but probably my first goal ever in third grade. Uh, <laughs> there can, it is. I can still remember it, which is crazy enough to think about. But no, it's uh, you know, I think my mom has a picture somewhere. I'm in some like the the Denver Bandits who don't that don't even exist anymore. I think I'm in some like super tight black short shorts and some jersey that is is not great and some helmet that I can barely see out of. And uh, you know, I can remember we're in Boulder and I score and I remember like thinking like this is a this is an awesome sport. And I think that's kind of where I fell in love with it. So you had these tight short shorts on. You have like big quads back then. Oh, you had all muscle bound. <laughs> that's third the, That's the that's the issue. I think it was just they were so tight and then. Uh, that it was just a terrible look. It was just awful. <laughs> They're almost like tights along with some yeah, skinny legs. They were, just, they were just on my body. It looked like a compression shorts. You know, in, in terms of you talk about back, that's where things started, and now a little bit of synergy here in full circle-wise. I mean, you were drafted in the NLL, second round by the Mammoth. Uh, and, you know, in terms of the box game and your next step here, where does that play into things for you? You know, obviously that was a, that was a super special moment for me, um, being drafted by the home team that I've gotten to grow up, grow up watching, and uh, going to the Pepsi Center and now the Ball Arena, watching. Uh, you know, it was a super special night for me, super special moment. Um, I'm super excited. I don't have a lot of experience in box, and uh, you know, I haven't. I've been. I, I think they know that. I've been trying to keep quiet. If people keep asking me, like, "Oh, are you excited?" I'm like, "Yeah, I can't wait. Like, I love box. I, but it's it's been a while, so." I'm I'm super excited to get to training camp. Hopefully those guys don't uh don't beat me up too bad. But no, I'm uh I'm excited to to, to get that experience with them and uh especially being the home team. Uh, you talk about growing up in Colorado and uh, your dad was a, a golfer at Kansas, a, a good golfer. Where's your game? Do you, do you play? I do still play a decent amount. So yeah, he uh in high school I could beat him when I was on the golf team, but uh now. And now he now he's got me by a pretty decent margin. It's pretty frustrating when I go home and we play because I think that I'm better than I am because of where I was. And then I get out there and I'm like, what's going on? And I haven't swung a club in three or four months. So, but no, it's great. It's a, that's that's some of my favorite times, you know, going home and playing golf with my dad and my little brother. Uh, so he's on the golf team now, too. So it's a lot of fun. We get to practice with him. What's your game like? You, you know, you putt for dough, you drive for show. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not a drive for show guy i don't think i think if you look at my if you could find my high school golf stats i think i probably hit two fairways in my whole career <laughs> um, but uh, i could scramble i could scramble like no other and that's kind of my game is trying to you know get something around the green in that second shot get up and down get out of there with a par so i just try to try to make as many pars as possible hmm. you can get some style points like that just like you do in in lacrosse you know just be crafty hey uh- uh, I think it's interesting because you guys have the unique situation where you've played both Maryland and Virginia this year, and obviously it's one versus two this weekend. I, when you look at that matchup, like from somebody who's seen both these teams this year, what do you see when you look at Maryland versus UVA? No, I think I think anyone that's watched either of those teams or played either of those teams this year can see 
they're very, they're very special, special teams that they have out there. Um, you know, I think we, we gave them a good game, but the, again, both those teams play so differently, you know, UVA with the hectic, you know, back and forth kind of chaos style in Maryland with the, you know, concentrated, you know, just want to pick you apart piece by piece. So uh, it's good. I'm, I'm super excited to see that game. I think those are two great teams and definitely they're both deserving of the one and two. Um, yeah, but I'm super excited for that game on Saturday. Yeah, so are we. Uh, yeah. Excited to see you guys against North Carolina this weekend. I think yeah. that should also be another really good game and, and seeing what you guys can do. I have one more question about Denver stuff. Um, you're a Broncos fan, right? Yes. Russell Wilson, how you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling really good. Mr. Mr. Unlimited It's coming into the Mile High City. That's what I'm excited for. That's a big uh, that's a big get for the Broncos. It was a tough year. You know, I'm I'm not hating on Teddy Two Gloves, but him and Drew Locke just weren't getting it done for us. Um, so, you know, hopefully uh, Russ can come come in and uh, get us back to that Peyton Manning uh, type offense and Super Bowl t- talent team. Right. What's what's your alter ego well, if he's got Mr. Unlimited? Like that was the nickname he gave himself. <laughs> what's yours? That's my question too. Yeah, I, same thing. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't I don't have the the credit to give myself a, a nickname. But uh, you know, kids, the guys on the team call me uh, Gravy because I'm smooth, and I've gotten that since freshman year, and it's stuck ever since. So I don't think I've been called my name, and uh, I don't even know how long. When my mom comes and visits, she's like Asher, and I don't answer, and then I'm like, Oh, you calling me? But yeah, no, uh, I'm gravy on the team. Gravy is a fantastic mm, nickname. That is fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Keep that. I'm glad you don't have as big of a head as Russell Wilson does. <laughs> I don't think I deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> he probably doesn't either, but that's a different story for a different day. Thank you for that. <laughs> ah, sure, we appreciate the time, man. Good luck this week. Good luck the rest of the way. It's been fun to watch you throughout your career and can't wait to see how you finish this thing out. I yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. Great talking to Asher, as always. A little golf uh, talk there. and, and We've a- got a lot of good golfers in NCAA lacrosse. Does, is there a better nickname than Gravy? No, no. I mean, Smooth that's, is Gravy. That's really good. That's I don't awesome. think I've heard any. Like, that's, and he said that from the day, first day on campus. Like, that's legit. He's been Gravy ever since. Yeah. Um, anyway, all right. So we got some Gravy for you now. Quick picks. We're going men and women here today. So we went, obviously, to the top. Those two big games, right. unprecedented. We had to break those down. But now we'll make our way a little bit away around the country here and talk about this week's games. You're up first. I am up first. I have Navy, Johns Hopkins, Friday, 7 p.m. Johns Hopkins, 11, Navy, 9. Mm-hmm. Navy, Navy coming off a one-goal win over Colgate. Not the best in the world. They've had a little bit of a struggle. But Hopkins just can't seem to win in, like, pretty way. They, they seems like they're an ugly win kind of team. Yeah. Navy getting a boost. Xavier Arline just scored his first goal as a Navy lacrosse player. That's pretty cool. Maybe they'll ride that a little bit in this game. But I do like Hopkins the bounce back, I guess, after a win over Syracuse and play better than they did. But still, they didn't play well enough for me to think they'll win this one convincingly. And that's, that's the story there. Interesting. Part of the two-game weekend for Hopkins, we've got them uh, on Sunday against Delaware here on LSN. I actually really like that game, so that'll be I'll be intrigued to see how they do on Friday and then see how they respond on Sunday. Uh, let's go to the Patriot League. Yes, that's... this is a huge game. Lehigh at Army. Talk about a lot at stake for both these teams in terms of maybe an at-large conversation. I think Lehigh might be out of it, but I think Army with the win over Syracuse, what they've done so far, their only losses to Rutgers, I think they may be in it. Fascinating matchup here at the face-off X. Will Collette for um, 
for Army, coming off a 22 of 32 performance against Lafayette, was the faceoff specialist of the week for the Patriot League. Obviously, him against Michael Sisselberger, who, after struggling in a couple of the games early, went 50% against Hobart in that loss, has rounded into form. He's right there at 69%. So I think that'll be key. But I like Army, even with Sisselberger, I think he'll have the edge of the faceoff X. I still like Army in a close one, 11 to 10. Okay, um, that, that should be interesting um, how the faceoff has sort of evolved here as this season has gone on. We thought we knew so much about it, and I feel like we don't know exactly who is no. in the top of the town anymore. All right, I'll go Yale at Cornell Saturday at noon. I've got Cornell in this one once again winning at Shellcop Field. 12 to 9, I have this score. You know what? It's kind of struck me about Yale this year. We had some high expectations coming in. Matt Branda, of course, coming in. I thought he could have been a potential to Wharton finalist. Probably still could be if he goes on a nice run in the Ivy yeah, League. For sure. Really nice player. Yale's just a little bit younger, it feels like, than the rest of these Ivy League teams. Don't forget when everything happened with COVID, they were coming off of a, a, a championship in, in 2019 and, and what have you, or 2018, in 2018, excuse me, 2018. And they also had lost some of those players that were big pieces of that run in 2018. And uh, they were sort of recycling a bit with some of these younger players you're seeing now. But th there was, there's still a new crop. And I feel like some of these other Ivy League teams have – guys that had been there and done that a little bit more. Cornell is one of those teams. They, they got Piatelli. Their defense is a little more experienced, too. So I'm going with Cornell over Yale. I don't know if Yale is good enough on the back end to stop Cornell enough in this one, is my estimation. Gavin, experienced enough in that, too. And, and Gavin Adler for Cornell Absolutely. defensively is great. I'm sure he gets the Brandau matchup. Yeah. That'll be a, a yep. fun one to watch. We saw uh, what he what he's done so against Jack Myers of Ohio State yeah. took him out. Yale just very young right yeah. now. And, and they've got a lot of promising young freshmen, but I just feel like they're, they're we're kind of seeing that, some growing pains going yeah. on. Maybe this is the win that gets them going, well, too. You never know. I picked Cornell, so I don't think that's going to happen, but you never know. All right, we talked about this game on Tuesday. Gigantic game for the ACC oh, yeah. with Michigan at Notre Dame. We talked about it. If you missed it on Tuesday, go back and listen to the podcast ACC has been down in the non-conference. This game is gigantic because of the implications of what it could do for Notre Dame to get a win over a ranked Michigan team. I think they do get it done. I like uh, the Irish 14-12. to Face-offs, though, are going to be an issue for Notre Dame. Yeah. They rank 61st of the 72 Division I teams, winning only 41% at the face-off X so far this year. Obviously, Michigan has been much better. They're up around 60%. They're ninth in the country Pat Kavanaugh, though, I think can be a difference maker. He has to be better than he's been. He put up eight points in that opener against Detroit. Notre Dame running away, obviously, as you'd expect them to do. He's got only three points in the last three games. They need Pat Kavanaugh yeah. to be the Tawarton finalist that he was a year ago against Michigan. I think he can be because I think he has the, he'll have the opportunity to get some points against the, um, the Wolverines. I think it's – I mean, you look at the defenses he gone, he's gone up against here in the last couple of games. They're tough. I think Michigan, as crazy as it is to say, I think is a step back from that. So I think Pat Kavanaugh goes off. I think they get the win. Two very different starts to their seasons, Notre Dame and Michigan. Complete opposite. Michigan had uh, some teams that they could go out and flex a little bit. Notre Dame had the exact opposite of right. that. And the battle tested for that one. I agree with that pick for sure. All right, got Harvard and Brown. Uh, intriguing little Ivy League tilt here, if you will. This one at Harvard, Saturday, 1 p.m. I believe there's going to be a lot of rain going on there. So yeah. one of those gritty affairs. Brown seems feisty this year. They've been competitive in a lot of games. I'm leaning towards Harvard. I liked how they looked against Michigan and stopping a really good offense at that. 
I think that if it wasn't maybe a, a Ivy League rivalry game, I might have Harvard by a couple more in this one, just by the way they've looked so far this year. So I'm, I'm going Harvard by one goal, 11-10. I like your score pick there because I think if it's much over that, I think it gives Brown an advantage. Yes. Uh, don't yeah. forget, look, this is the, the uh, Mike Daly offense that we saw at Tufts that was yeah. the rage yeah. uh, with Sean Kerwin bringing it to, uh, to Brown originally, then to Virginia, Lars Tiffany, all part of that. So – they can get up and go. They can score. Against a Jerry Byrne defense. It's a great matchup. <laughs> I know. Fantastic matchup. Uh, I, I'm going to go uh, stay in the Ivy League. How about Penn at Princeton? What a weekend in the Ivy League Yeah, we have. some good matchups. First conference weekend. Right? Yeah. Weekend uh, sign me up for this. Penn at Princeton. I think these may be the top two teams in the Ivy League okay. by the end of the year. Uh, I've got Princeton 15-14. I really like this Tigers team. I think we yeah. saw a lot against the way in which they beat Rutgers. It was really impressive to me over the weekend. They've scored double-digit goals in every game Princeton has. That includes games against uh, the likes of Georgetown and Maryland. So, like, you're scoring double-digit goals against maybe two of the top defenses in the country, or at least uh, traditionally. And Georgetown, I think, certainly is one of the top uh, defenses in the country this year. So they can score. I think that helps them. Alex Slusher, nine goals in his last two games. I think he's a key. He's kind of taken over an offense that obviously was surrounded, was all centered on Michael Sowers when things ended back in 2020. They've got a couple of guys, but Slusher has really stepped into a star role. 14 goals for Penn there. That's that's a little surprising. They to scored me. 14 against Duke. Uh, yes, Duke not had the strongest defense. Yeah, in the no, world I this know, year. but I, I think th that Princeton's defense is a little bit better. I don't have yeah, that much faith in Penn's offense. But I think they this is a Princeton like you saw what they have would happen against Rutgers. Like it was a little bit more up and down. They a can, little bit more. They, yeah. They're not a. I, I, they're a they're team not a that, defensive yeah, juggernaut. They're I'm a not team. Saying that. I'm I'm saying that they can get stopped, but I think this is more of an um, up and down close okay. game than it is like a stagnant. One possession at a time, 10-9 type of game. I think there's a little more high scoring. I don't know if Penn can play that. I have less faith in their offense of huh. Penn than I do in the defense of Princeton, if oh, you will. Okay. So that, that's, right. that's where I'm coming well, from. We'll find out. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's move along. Denver at Ohio State, Sunday at noon Eastern time. I have Ohio State 15, Denver 13. I like the way that Ohio State's responded since the Cornell loss, number one. And I don't know if Denver can stop that offense enough with Jack Myers playing the way he's playing right now. Ohio State's rolling with a little bit more now. I, I think that Cornell loss was really good for them, actually, and moving forward to some of these other difficult games on their schedule. So I do like Ohio State. Denver just still struggling to find their guy, struggling to, to put things together still, and, and they played a tough schedule, too. How many one, two goal losses does Denver yeah, have they, against? They played good a lot teams. of close games. A like, lot of close games, a lot of good teams. They're just not there. It just feels like something is just not there yet, right? Yeah, I. It, I'll, if there if there's a game that like I I think I like your pick, but if there it would not shock me if Denver finds a way to beat them, just because yeah. it, it feels like Denver's due for something to flip and go the other way. Tough to win there though. At, Very tough. You know, in, yeah, in Columbus. Columbus. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's switch to the women's side now. Quick yes, pick. Michelle. Uh, staying in the with a Big Ten school, a couple of Big Ten schools. Michigan at Hopkins. Uh, first game that Michigan was held under 10 goals was the loss to Denver when they led 6-1 to one last weekend. Yeah. But 6-1, to one, they ended up losing 9-8, to eight, a really heartbreaking loss. I think they bounced back. I've got them 14-9 to nine over Hopkins. I just don't know if the Blue Jays can keep up. The top 10 teams have been a tough stretch for Hopkins. They've competed and, and beat a bunch of other teams, even ranked teams, teams like Drexel. 
I, they haven't been able to compete against that upper echelon. I think Michigan is edging toward that top 10 conversation. Caitlin Muir, terrific balance as an attacker here for Michigan. 13 goals, 13 assists. I think that's been key for the Wolverines. Yeah, Hopkins, uh, they led Stony Brook, actually, when they last played. But Stony Brook then went on Ran away 14 from to 1 yeah. run after that. But <laughs> uh, Janine Tucker's club fighting and battling hard. I think that might be a little bit closer. We'll okay. Um, all right, Arizona State at Stanford. We go out west Friday Let's night. Let's go Wildcats. Come on. I have Stanford winning 15-14. Uh. And Stanford's never lost to Arizona State. And Stanford played a tough schedule at the beginning of the year. They went back east, played Syracuse, had, had a couple of tough losses here and there. They do come off of wins over Cal and UC Davis. Not the most impressive yeah. of wins, but I like when a team starts to win games, no matter who it is, it is against and feeling some momentum. Ashley Humphrey, five assists. She's led Stanford in points in five of the seven games they played this year. That red shirt sort of group of them that are now the freshmen, sophomores, whatever you want to call them. I th this is the time of the season, I think, that they're going to start to play better. We talked about maybe some growing pains for them at the beginning of the season. A lot of new faces, talented young freshman class, a lot of red shirts from last year. Now we're getting to mid-March. I think they're going to start playing together better. So they come off, you know, Arizona State coming off that big win over yep. Colorado. Huge but win. It's, it's going to be a tough, I, I think, uh, you know, next game up after that to, to be able to go and beat Stanford. Need to apologize. Sun Devils screwed up the, the nickname there. Go Sun what, what Devils. What did you call them? The Wildcats, which oh. is a criminal oh, move. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've now, been, I've now been taken off the bandwagon yeah. for Arizona State. <laughs> Where's the love for the Sun Devils? <laughs> Where is it? All right, next I got to get him some love. All right, this game, uh, my game. I got, yeah, Florida Drexel, game you can see 11 a.m. Eastern here on Sunday. 11 a.m. Eastern, Lack Wake Sports up, Network. some coffee, maybe um, a little brunch action yeah, here with LSN. Yeah, Cheesesteak if you're in Philly. <laughs> yeah, I have had a cheesesteak, I think, for breakfast. You know, the Philadelphia airport, they do, uh, like, breakfast Breakfast steaks? sandwich. Yeah, but with eggs and some steak oh, on there, no. some cheese whiz. No, 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 no. Unlike anything you, you will ever have. It's I terrific. So no. grab one of those. Florida at Drexel women. I've got the Gators. I think they're going to ride some of the momentum from that win okay. over Syracuse. I got them 13 to 11. Sarah Resnick, if she plays like she did against Syracuse, yeah. uh, this Florida team becomes a lot more difficult to beat. She is only three double-digit save games this year, but coming off the 11 saves against the Orange, I think she keeps that rolling. Emma Lopinto, obviously highly regarded, top overall recruit coming into the country, living up to expectations. Uh, second on the team uh, in points as a freshman, where she up to 29, I think, mm -hmm. so far this yeah. year. So uh, talk about being asked to step into a big role with a lot of People having left on that Florida offense uh, from last year, and she's stepped in uh, quite nicely. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Resnick. Consistency important for her. Great goalie matchup in this game against the CAA goalie of the year from last year, Zoe Bennett, who's played really well for them. Their defense for Drexel's been really good. Um, watch out for Carson Harris. She has done it all. You go look up some of her stats. You watch her on the field. She, When things might have been tough for them, she has always she's been consistent as ever for yeah. Drexel. So I can't wait for that game. Please tune in this weekend. It should be a lot of fun for a couple teams that we expect maybe to be in tournament at the end of the yeah. year. Um, so my next one, another CAA team, JMU at Virginia Sunday, 1 p.m. It's just this offense for JMU hasn't gotten going yet this year, and it, it's been tough to see. And you got a team in Virginia that is so battle-tested, and they've played such great teams, and they played – 
not badly, poorly. They've played any. them well. They've played all of them well. I think it's going to be tough for JMU to score against Virginia or do really well in the draw as well. So I do have a Virginia winning this one 12-7. JMU, just, they have to do something different offensively to, to really be able to catch fire here, and then they're going to have to catch fire sooner than later. All right, uh, my final pick, USC at Stanford, second game of a two-game weekend uh, out west for the Cardinal I like Stanford 12 tonight. Ooh, a 2-0 weekend for yeah, Stanford. Yeah, this is a tricky 2-0 two, uh, two weekend for Stanford, but they've got 20-plus goals in their two wins over the weekend. Now, the, the competition's going to step up here this weekend, yeah. but I think maybe a chance for them to get going. Keep an eye on Ashley Humphrey, one of those highly regarded redshirt freshmen who are part, kind of technically yeah, I, part I, of this I talked recruiting about her class. Earlier. Yeah. yeah. 31 assists Ooh, so far okay. this year. Yes. She has been key because Ali Bayako, you know she's going to score. So having Humphrey be able to set up uh, yeah. Bayako, I think, is a great combination. Yeah, I think they, they'll, they'll start to get things going here as we make our way through March. Yep. Quick picks. They were quick. And we had our top twos. We had some good interviews. And uh, we had a good day. Yeah, enjoy one versus two. We yeah. got one, the men's on Saturday, the women on Sunday. It's a perfect layout for what should be an awesome college across week. weekend. when you're not watching those, we've got four games here yeah, on starting Wax Friday Sports night. Network that we're doing over the course of this weekend. I got Hofstra and Stony Brook battle of Long Island on Friday night, and you have on Saturday. Yeah, Rutgers-Hofstra, 1 o'clock on LSN, uh, men's on Saturday. Then you got Sunday. Drexel, Florida, 11 a.m. Sunday morning. And then wrap up your Sunday night standalone game, Hopkins-Delaware, Two teams are right there around that top end of the top 20. I think this should be a terrific game. Mm. So 7 p.m. Sunday night, wrap up your college lacrosse weekend with us, and then we'll see you back here on Tuesday. And a happy St. Patrick's Day once again to you, and may the luck be ever in your favor. We'll leave you at that. See you.